20 minutes, 11 artists to watch. I'm Lachlan Patrick, wheezing you through the Loud and Queer mixtape for 2023. Across genres and communities, we found queer artists from around Australia and the world, then gone behind the music to hear their stories. It starts in Fremantle, Western Australia, with Cecilia Brandolini. She told me about her track, Stay, a breakup song years in the making. I took a break from it for a year because it didn't feel right and I wasn't sure in the relationship I was in, which is what the whole song's kind of about questioning. A year later, when I was in Melbourne, actually, and staying with my brother, and I was playing his piano, and I just wrote this chord progression, and it was like, whoa, this is about the same thing from, but like from the end of the story. So I had started recording it before COVID, and then COVID hit, and that took a long time for us to finally uh, kind of come back to it and finish mixing it. And I actually just got finished mixing like a month ago. <laughs> so it's been a long time. Do you think it helped you kind of yeah. process what was going on for you? Before therapy and stuff later in life, I was just doing music to kind of process my emotions and, and talking to friends. So, And I had just moved to Perth, so I was very isolated and I only had my partner at the time. And I was just like, whoa, I have to be like a full, I have to be a full adult, you know, I have to be self-reflective and, you know, maybe I'm not perfect, maybe, maybe this person can challenge me in some ways. Um, it was just like growing up through a relationship kind of thing. Heading to the East Coast now, Penny Parker is ready to pick up the energy in Sydney. She told Sarah her track Disrupt is a defiant take on a crappy year. I had one month where it was like one terrible, terrible thing was just happening after another. And I got to a stage where I was like, I've always tried to be a, like a really good, caring human. That's always like, I've got a very strong moral code. So I've always kind of put that forward. And that month, oh my goodness, I was like, if terrible things have the good people and the good people around me. I was like, is it worth being kind all the time if bad people get good things? And it, it was, a, I think that's disruptive. It's, it's me kind of running back and forth through the whole, like, your self-worth and when things are going really, really wrong, like, you, you start doubting everything, yeah. really. That hard-ass energy is still very present in those tender moments as yeah. well. The repetitive, hey, hi, hello, I'm enough. It sounds so yeah. silly and I'm not like an inspirational quote kind of girl whatsoever. But like I literally fake it to make it with that. I was like repeating stuff like that to myself being like, no, I've got this, it's fine. And if I can give that to someone else just by like kind of like screaming my song, because that's what I'm doing. Like I played it live and I almost cried the first time because I was like, ooh, Ooh. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> that, that, that hurt. I can but, imagine. Uh, if I can give, like, a little bit of light, oh, like, that'd be awesome. I would, yeah, love that. Like, I think it's got that nice duality of pain but also hope. Now bringing it home to Melbourne, V says their album Faithless is a love letter to industrial music. They told Mia all about creating the title track. 
Oh, I could talk about the bells for hours, so you should be careful about how uh, too many questions about them because I really can talk about them for a long time. So I actually play them with a sample at home. Each bell, right, there's 36 of them. The, the hammer that hits it, there's five different levels of velocity. Since it's a machine hitting it, it's like exactly the same every time. So each like note that you play has a bell behind it and there's like five different recordings of the bell in that sampler depending on how hard it's being hit. But I do have to say it's nothing like the real thing. It just resonates a bit further than the, the sampler. But what you hear on the record is a sampler or it's a very high quality version of the sampler. Yeah. I'm conveying my sensibilities and my tastes really uh, with, with what I was creating. All my other albums are pure conceptual albums. They're like so full of meaning and poetry and lyrics and, and quite literal. But this, yeah, was very removed from that. I guess they're all little pieces of my soul and myself and like how I think about the world. But certainly um, the last song, Faithless, and what the album is called, it's a... Um, a song written like in, in memory for a friend who passed away um, unjustly uh, during during COVID times. Um, just like yeah, you know the, the mental health crisis that we're, that's happening in Australia at the moment. So it's it's um, the last song is the only song that follows a song structure, and it also has a like a very a literal concept behind it. Now, our youngest artist on the mixtape, Kaya Mercedes, is on a mission to release her second album before they're 18. She told Mia about the inspiration for their track, Hide With Me. It's a song that I wrote about coming to terms with queer identity and like self-acceptance, but finding love as well. It's inspired by Heartstopper, which is one of my favourite TV shows ever. I'm a very, very nostalgic person. Like The amount of times people have said that the lyrics that I write do not match my age, it's it's very I'm like an old person in a young person's body and so I write about nostalgia without even meaning to um, and I look back on absolutely everything that happens in my life so that really comes through in my music without even meaning to but my producer Satali Mack has also really listened to the lyrics and brought that to life through the production and I'm so in love with the production of this song. Your writing style hasn't exactly changed, but there is a distinct shift between this latest track and some of your previous works. This new style, it's so much more honest and I'm so much more comfortable writing about, like, being queer and um, autistic and it's so much more honest, which I think really translates in my writing. But also, I wrote my last album when I was, like, 13, 14 years old and now I'm writing this 15, 16 years old, so... There's a lot of maturity as well in my lyricism and even just like having done a few years of English between the writing of the last album, it's really helped me improve my writing. Back to Sydney now where Lebanese Australian artist Sarah Yagki's been refining a dark cinematic sound. She told me about her track Alone. Writing that song, a lot of it was dealing with myself, my own identity and my own sense of who I wanted to be in purpose around that. Um, 
and the idea of the song really comes into fighting these two sides of you, whether it is, you know, this duality where I am a musician, a music teacher, where I am a, I come from a Lebanese background, Lebanese, but also Australian, whether it's the way that also I feel like as someone that is bisexual or is represented around, you know, the way that I am around family, the way I am around friends, like it's full of duality and the song is all about that sense of duality and trying to figure out what way to sit in that. What are you wanting your listeners to take away from this track? I think that there definitely is a message of hope where at the end of the day, you're, it's, it's finding that, I guess, control and who you are and fighting for that back. It's, at the end of the day, Alone is a song that is definitely about fighting for who you want to be. And it recognises the things that pull you away from that. But at the end of the day, the song has been sung. The song feels like it's that dry, cinematic feeling because you're still, you're still searching, you're still trying to get to that point. Let's slow it down. Melbourne artist Milo creates sensual sounds from his bedroom. He told Mia about the desire embedded in his track, Dawn. I tried to dive a little deeper into my feelings of my sexuality. The background of having to go through the process of being a, a queer man or queer person, coming out to whoever it may be, you know, just that journey. For me personally, it was like I didn't, I didn't come out until I was 24. I hadn't like lived that normal process of relationships and um, learning to connect with other people, other men, till I was like in my mid twenties. So the song's kind of about that lack of intimacy, but like the desire and lack of connection because of your trauma. How did you find that you were able to go about talking such a deeply personal topic and then translating it into a song? It took me a little bit of time, I think. Like, my writing process can be really strenuous <laughs> sometimes, like figuring out what the actual song means and where I'm going, because normally I'll start with the production and, you know, find the, the melodies and the feeling and what sonically feels right before I even dive into the meaning of a song and then I'll, you know, mumble... <laughs> in the melodies and try to piece words together like a puzzle. We are halfway through, so if you're liking what you're hearing, you can find the playlist on our website, but not yet, we're not done. Upping the tempo, Tom Nezasol re-released his singles with social media front of mind. He spoke to Sarah about one of them, Thrill of the Chase. I feel like sped-up versions on TikTok are so popular right now because it allows more of the song to be heard in a short amount of time. And just like the concept of like nightcore and stuff like that that mm. originated in like Norway, I feel like sped up versions just allow you to focus more on the vibe of a song as opposed to spending so much energy like listening to the lyrics or focusing on the meaning and stuff like that. So yeah, they've become very, very popular. I feel like any way that we can like repurpose the songs we've made as artists and like try and push it out there in a new way 
is like always always the goal and mm. if you can do something new that gets the music out to a new audience then that's obviously desirable it's like a different way to get like a remix of a song without having to pay a dj for it within it you ask do you post on your stories just to see if i care was he well that's the question isn't it no, but did I- you care no, for real. <laughs> and I'm the kind of person, I don't know if you do this too, but not so much anymore. But around the time that I wrote this song, yeah, yeah of course, I don't of do course. it anymore. Yeah. I'm so much better. <laughs> I've definitely grown. Um, I like liking their stories. I'm like, mm. I did it. I made yeah. my move. Like, you'll go now. Yeah, and I tried. they didn't care at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's like you add them to the close friends and then like or, the close friends they're the start only one. getting... <laughs> <laughs> they're the only one of the close friends. They're the only one who can see this like mysterious thing or you posting like a song on your story mm-hmm. that have very specific lyrics. Yeah, or your um, <laughs> like your close friends just goes from like memes to like, ooh, cute, <laughs> calm, collected. Yeah. <laughs> No stranger to a festival, Greg Gould's track Marching On was the Darwin Pride Festival's anthem. He told Liz about getting it party ready. The co-writer, um, Tony Chilvers, who I wrote Marching On with, he's a dear friend of mine, Melbourne, um, who's actually from South Africa, and funnily enough, the track just went top ten in South Africa. Not necessarily because of him, although he'll say it is, <laughs> um, but really special that the writer actually wrote it, and now it's doing well over there. But he reached out to Dave Day, Grammy Award winning multi platinum huge dance icon Um, and yeah Dave loved the vocal loved the song and yeah he's, he's done an amazing remix of it the process for me is obviously I hand over the vocals and all the tracks and then he then reinterprets it so I see that's the job for the producer but I think what he did do is an incredible job Is it ever, like, scary just handing over, like, your vocals and your, like, song to somebody else to produce? Extremely, extremely. Especially with someone like that, because if you don't like it, what do you say to a Grammy award-winning producer? Sorry, not good enough. Like, like <laughs> do it again. So, but, but whether they're Grammy award-winning or not, I don't like getting letting go of the control of my music. Like, I'm, I do have a very clear vision. However, I'm very collaborative. What Dave did, I could never have come up with. Like, so it's, it's, it's always good to... Take your hands off, and then if, if you're not happy with it, you can try and you know work with them to to mould it or, or send it in a direction that you're going to be happy. But I was happy first. I had no notes. Now, over a decade in the making, Dirty Versace has a sound and a story. They told Sammy about their collab with Jamaica Moana, Don't Go Through My Phone. It's a cheeky song, and I just want to have a bit of fun with it. And just explore the concept of, you know, what's going on in these telephones that we have in our pockets. I hit up Jamaica through Instagram. I sent them the song and they really liked it. And then they were in um, at the end of last year and we just recorded the verse. My team liked it, their team liked it, and it just, it became the single. They had like written the verse on the plane ride to like work on with me and just like they did it like that. They had all the ideas in their head in terms of all the layering and stuff all laid out. It was it was pretty amazing just to like be in Jamaica's presence and see that all happen. Do you feel like your sound like 
production sound kind of naturally developed into the Dirty Versace sound or uh, you've made a very kind of active choice to make it kind of more dancey and in line with um, the drag persona? It's always been like a gradual evolution. I used to do it as my own name, like back like 10 years ago, and then it evolved into Youth Fire, and then it evolved into Dirty Versace. So I think it's always just been like a, another step. It's never been like a drastic like change or anything. I've, I feel like I'm just kind of always just taking another step into a new direction or something like that. Let's head to the States. John Greska creates a low-tempo folk pop in the US. I guess in terms of music, I do a bit of folk pop. I like incorporating themes of growing up and life and following dreams and stuff like that. I've only recently gotten into vocal music a few years ago. I really liked writing instrumental music. Um, so I do that sometimes on the side as well. I like writing compositions. And then I do, my primary field is in game audio. So I do a lot of game audio um, on the side when I'm not working on these other two endeavors of mine. Hide all the dirty little things you want me to. But your new single, Sweater Aesthetic, has been out for a little while now. Um, how did that track specifically kind of come about? And what are some of the ideas behind it? So the track itself, I guess, it didn't come out like in any special way, I guess. It was the initial idea came in around the fall. Fall is kind of like sweater weather. You know, you it's changing from the summer to the fall and you're going outside, but it's a little chilly outside. And so initially, it kind of just felt like a really basic idea, like about sweaters. But then the more I kind of wrote the words, the more I kind of saw that there could be a lot read into it. The lyrics came first, for sure. And then the I wrote the music to it around throughout the winter. A sweater is covering you in the same way you try to hide your true personality. And so I tried to incorporate stuff like that into the lyrics of the song. But underneath it all is a monster lurking silently. And finishing where we started with Joan and the Giants in Western Australia, frontwoman Grace Newton-Wordsworth told me about Cool Kid. I actually grew up in a very strong Christian childhood past. And the song for me, I wrote after coming out as queer, as bisexual, and it took me till I was like 23 to come out. I had a lot of shame around my sexuality growing up, and I was really, really scared to come out my whole life. And then I met some really amazing queer friends that were like, don't be scared. Like, you've got nothing to be ashamed of. It's just who you are. Like, you literally, there's nothing to be scared, like, scared of, ashamed of, and you just got to be you. And it was so nice meeting these people because I didn't really have anyone in my life before, my amazing friends that I made. And then I came out and I had all of these experiences and it was, like, partly amazing and also really alienating at the same time. I had some incredible experiences, but I also had some really heartbreaking ones. And it was kind of about, like, the song is really about the aftermath of all of this. Now you see hallelujah with your boyfriend while I stand out Why do you think that music was one of the only places where you could access this feeling of being understood? Because music is so honest. And I really kind of struggled to be honest with songwriting when I was younger. 
But then when I kind of got older and started, you know, creating my own life and, and making my own choices and figuring out who I was on my own, I really started writing really honestly. And then the music actually became really sad for a while. And I think even through my childhood, doing assessments and concerts, there was always such a connection to the music because I always felt like at home. So it's always been a place of like, I've just felt my most authentic self. That was a mixtape. These are our artists to watch and I'm Lachlan Patrick. Stream the songs where you get your music and hear the full interviews on your preferred podcast platform. Just search Loud and Queer Talks.